WVUAFM, Tuscaloosa. Welcome into the load side here on 90.7 The Capstone. Nicholas Persley joined, as always, by Joe Schatz, Adam Hambright. How are we doing, gentlemen? Uh, pretty good. It's been a while, actually, since our, our last recording here in the booth, so I'm excited to be back and uh, looking forward to talking about a lot of stuff that happened over the week. Yeah, you know, it's the first time in a little bit that we had to, we had to skip a week uh, last week, but, um, you know, this this time that we've had off you know we've had a lot of good outcomes from our sporting events you know haven't had too many uh disappointing results so it should be a should be a fun show yeah it should be a lot of fun uh we i believe the last show we had was right before the super bowl we obviously missed that week during the super bowl uh didn't want to have a show during that game which turned out to be pretty good uh did you guys watch the nickelodeon version of the super Bowl? absolutely not wow (laughs) oh a hater come on no that was that was fantastic honestly it was better than romo all right here's what i'll give you (laughs) that's what i'll say if if you're a big um if you're just a guy that just likes to have fun, like you're not looking for like the pure, like the pure, like broadcast experience. So Nickelodeon, it looked fun. I'm not that guy. You know, I want my traditional football broadcast. But even the regular broadcast still upset me. So, you know, whoever approved the graphics and like either the producer or like whoever, you know, I'm watching the game, you know, Nickelodeon, every time they score, they have like the little slime, right? I don't want that. I want to see uh, uh, them score. You know, I just want to see, you know, fan reactions, football reactions. They score in this game, and there's a huge graphic covering the whole screen that says Kansas City touchdown. I'm like, I know. I just watched it. Um, let me watch the player. Like, you can put that on the little ribbon scoreboard you have. I don't need to see it across the entire screen where you're just showing me a part of the stadium. If I wanted to watch stuff like that, then I would watch the Nickelodeon broadcast. So I was, I was kind of disappointed in that. And then, you know, a bunch of people have been upset about Tony Romo in the game, which, you know, before everybody was talking about how much they have loved him on the broadcast. And then, you know, the game-winning touchdown, and he kind of talks over for like a whole two minutes or whatever it was. So now everybody hates him again. So. Truly didn't know how to get it out of the way. I feel like that I feel like that happens with everything, though. Like, people will love something for the longest time, and then all of a sudden they'll just turn on it, and they just can't yeah. stand it. They anymore. used to like the Chiefs when they were beating the Patriots. And now the Chiefs <laughs> are public enemy number one. Yeah. Um, and it would appear that uh, Mahomes is on the track to GOAT status. Anyway, uh, Alabama football news. Um, <laughs> Ryan Grubb uh, is out as the offensive coordinator at Alabama. He is staying in Seattle uh, to take over the Seahawks job. Um, I feel like this is a really, like, uh, you know, forgetting Alabama here for a second. For Ryan Grubb, what a fantastic opportunity. You could not ask for anything better. You don't have to move. You get to stay in Seattle, and you get to go straight to the NFL. I mean. Yeah, I mean, it is, and, and it's a, I think, you know, he clearly wanted to be uh it seems like really wanted to be in that nfl in that oc role um and uh yeah like you said doesn't have to move far so i just you know i it the part of me that is just upset about it is just what he said 
I mean, I understand it might be a little rich saying, oh, you should honor what he said as I we cheered for Nick Saban um, for, for, for all those years after he I'm said he wasn't going to leave. But, um, yeah, I mean, it just seemed like it was really it was really bad timing with him. I mean, he was at um, – I don't know what event it was, but he said, you know, I'm your offensive coordinator speaking to Alabama fans. And then – and then he essentially left like less than 24 hours later. So that's just the part that gets me. It makes, I mean, it makes sense for, for him. Um, like I get it, but you know, just maybe don't say you're the OC and then, and then not be and dip. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, you know, I feel like this is kind of one of those like perfect storms. You know, I'm sure that he did not, really know that couple of days before that like oh yeah you know seattle's gonna call and you're gonna have this wonderful opportunity Mm -hmm. you know but it feels like it was kind of a perfect storm um so i'll ask you guys this are are you concerned we'll we'll talk about who's coming in uh potentially being promoted as the new offensive coordinator um but who like does this worry you like does ryan grubb not being the offensive coordinator at alabama like is that a a massive loss um i mean i think it's obviously a big loss because of kind of the expectation of what he was going to bring in i mean it it seemed like he was you know kind of a, a a really perfect fit. I mean, really dynamic offense at Washington, and, and well, the number one and number yeah. two offenses in the country while he was at yeah. Washington, and developed Michael Penix from being a really good quarterback at, at Indiana to now he's potentially a first round pick, might go to Seattle uh, in that first round. But, um, but yeah, I mean, I I'm worried in the sense that I don't know who Alabama could hire that would have been better than what Grubb could bring. Um, but at the end of the day, I mean. You know, it, is it, um, you know, am I super worried that this is going to become like a habit? Maybe, probably not. I mean, it, Nick Saban dealt with it. You know, he lost coordinators every seemingly every season uh, throughout points in his tenure and found replacements and still won. So, you know, I, I think it, uh, it, it was, it's a big loss, but maybe not as, as big as it seems. I'm not going to be the Alabama coach. What, 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 what? I shouldn't even have to comment on this. I think I've said this over and over and over again. Anyway, so uh, that was Nick Saban back before he took the Alabama job, and now it resonates again as Ryan Grubb has taken the offense coordinator job at the Seahawks. So I don't think it's that big of a loss. Um, Obviously, Ryan Grubb has had – uh, a couple of good offenses at Washington. You know, he, he's been around with Kalen DeBoer at his other stops at Fresno State. Um, I think he was even at Indiana when Kalen DeBoer was the offense coordinator there. Um, obviously, I would have loved to have him as the offense coordinator at Alabama, but it is still Kalen DeBoer's offense. Now, Ryan Grubb has been calling the, the plays, and it seems to me that that was the only guy Kalen DeBoer really felt comfortable calling his offense. I would probably be more worried if it came out that he was hiring an offensive coordinator from the outside who we didn't know if he was going to try to change up the system and if Kalen DeBoer would even allow him to. And then you'd have that whole internal struggle between head to coach and offensive coordinator with him. Um, allegedly, I don't know if it's been official. We, we kind of discussed it a little bit with uh, Nick Sheridan uh, kind of coming up. I Who's going to be calling? Is it going to be him if he's offensive coordinator? Is it going to be um, Kalen DeBoer? Um, 
Does Kalen DeBoer feel comfortable letting somebody besides Ryan Grove call it? I don't know, but I still feel confident with it being Kalen DeBoer's offense first and foremost. And if he feels comfortable with somebody calling it or if he's calling himself, I think um, it's going to be good. And I do think it will be an improvement over what has been there the last couple of seasons. Yeah, you know, I'm not like I'm not super worried. Like you said, you know, Ryan Grubb came in to run um, Kalen DeBoer's offense, right? Um, it's not like uh, you're losing you're, – you're not bringing in somebody new, allegedly, who, you know, has a completely new offense, a completely different system. And you mentioned how uh, Kalen DeBoer had spoke about how um, Grubb was the only guy he really trusted to call those plays. It would not shock me in the slightest to see Kalen DeBoer potentially calling the offense. It could be interesting, something that we haven't seen here in a long, long time. Um, yeah. But potentially uh, Nick Sheridan being promoted, he was the tight end coach at Washington, came with uh, DeBoer to Alabama. Um, I feel like it's – probably a solid choice because you want to promote somebody from within who already knows everybody um who you know can kind of already knows everybody already has the system you know kind of you're not having to learn a whole bunch of new stuff so i i feel like it's a a pretty solid hire honestly uh if that's where they end up deciding to go i do have like a quick update you know they have updated uh com football coaching staff page still only three coaches are listed on here so we still only have on the official alabama athletics website that is kalen devore's head coach freddie roach as associate head coach and defensive line and then robert gillespie as running back so even though a bunch of coaches have made the official change on their twitter profiles with the new uh, i assume it was uh athletic marketing that sent them all the the matching photos for the profile photos yeah um, they still have only updated three people on the actual coaching staff page yeah and i feel like that's that's partly because like there's all of this kind of a lot of things are up in the air at the moment a lot of people are jumbling around they probably don't even have the titles all straight yeah. another thing um so like what we were talking about with with uh, ryan grup you know he he's going to be an offense coordinator in the NFL. And, you know, a bunch of people had tied him to the Washington job right after DeBoer taking the job that they were saying that he was going to be Washington's first call to be a head coach. And now you're still seeing that trend. I don't think we've been able to really talk about it, but with all these collegiate coaches just going to the NFL. So obviously you have Ryan Grubb. He's taken the same position he would have had at an NFL job, but then a bunch of – um, head coaches taking coordinator jobs at other colleges or people just going to the NFL because they don't want to deal with college anymore. So, like you were saying, with all of that going on, nobody really knowing if somebody's going to get offered a coaching job after somebody leaves for an NFL or the NFL is going to offer a job. And you don't know if your coaching staff is going to remain intact. So, probably pretty smart to keep it under wraps for as long as possible. Yeah, one other big part of the story that we haven't touched on yet is that uh, Scott Huff is also expected to go to the Seahawks. Obviously, that was um, 
Washington's former offensive line coach who had come with DeBoer to Alabama, mm-hmm. that is a major loss. Like, that's yeah. probably, in my mind, that's a bigger loss than losing Grubb because you're talking about Scott Huff who had built the best line in all of college football uh, with the kind of talent that Washington recruits, which I'm not saying is, you know, subpar, but it's certainly not to the level of an Alabama, a Michigan, an Ohio State. So that's, I mean, extremely impressive. And Alabama has struggled for quite some time at the offensive line. So that's that's what you really hate to see. Yeah, and and now I will say too that I mean the the last offensive line coach uh, Warford came in as the Joe Moore award winning you know offensive line or finalist. I knew Joe was going to bring this up again. <laughs> I know. I'm just saying. I'm just saying, and it didn't exactly create a better offensive line. Um, so I, I mean, now I will say that Scott Huff, I did have better expectations for. I mean, like he's clearly got an offensive line that was that was good enough to get to a a title. Um, a title game but yeah that is I mean that's I, I kind of agree with you Nick that's that is I think a bigger loss especially with what this Alabama team really struggled with last season was consistency on that offensive line and getting a coach who just coached one of the best offensive lines to come into your program um and you know in, in theory it was going to get better so you know that's going to be I do agree that that's a bigger loss, and and hopefully, I, I guess I don't have they made an announcement on who's next up for that position. Yet? I haven't or heard an announcement, but um, you know we've we've kind of seen during these recent uh, coaching hires and searches, um, you're you're not really going to get who you expect. So mm-hmm. like Kalen DeBoer, he was he wasn't really mentioned right off the bat. You know we had said who we had thought. No, none of us have brought him up. Obviously. Um, People probably let it known that they might be going after certain coaches to kind of help them get their contracts, you know, secured at their schools. And then all of a sudden it's like Kalen DeBoer is rumored. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, he's taking the job. And then, you know, when you're thinking about who the um, assistant's coming in, you know, the first couple ones you kind of like – we kind of knew he was going to at least try to get Ryan Grubb, and it looked like he was going to be, but then it was somebody else. But, like, nobody expected uh, Kane Womack from South Alabama to, mm-hmm. to come in. Nobody expected all these other, you know, group of five coaches to end up coming on the staff. Um, and then only – how many – was it just the two? Was it just Freddie Roach and uh, Gillespie that I stayed so, from yeah. the staff? So – who knows who it's going to be that comes in, but, you know, with the hires, we, we obviously haven't seen how these coaches are going to do with a, a full season, but I don't really have any worries about who they're able to bring in as long as it gets done fairly soon. For sure, yeah. Another guy who has not really been mentioned in leaving, it would appear that he's staying, uh, Jamarcus Shepard, who's the wide receivers, who was the wide receiver coach at Washington, obviously a major part of that offense. He had three or four receivers that went from unknown talent, really, to NFL-level uh, players during their time there. Um, so it's going to be interesting there's also been some discussion that uh, Sheridan and Shepard could potentially be co-offensive coordinators obviously not both calling the plays but uh, it could be very interesting and something that I think you've seen a lot in college football recently um, kind of as an effort to try and keep some of these assistants around because it seems like assistants are flying off the shelves left and right especially the big D1 programs yeah and and 
I wouldn't. I, I, that's not really going to be a bad thing. I think if you have the two co-offensive coordinators, especially with a guy like DeBoer as your head coach, who is an offensive guy, like kind of having three minds go at it um, instead of maybe just kind of blindly, not blindly. I mean, DeBoer knows what he's doing. Um, but instead of just kind of giving it away to one guy, maybe you, you can get a little more collaboration and a little more inventive, I think. But you are right. It, it's It could just be a big ploy to keep these guys on your staff for as long as possible because when you're – you know, listed as an Alabama coach, um, especially you know, recently under under Nick Saban, any any position coach was up for grabs. It seemed at every off season. Um, you know, at least it seems like at least one was becoming a head coach or or a coordinator or, or getting promoted somewhere um, in the college football world uh, after leaving Alabama. So, I think it could, it could be a ploy, and it might be a really good one. <laughs> so, yeah. So that'll do it uh, for us here for the first little bit. When we come back, we've got so much to catch up on with Alabama men's basketball, New Jersey's, crazy, crazy times. Crazy state. (laughs) Crazy times. We'll be back here on 90.7. This show is a sports production of WVUAFM 90.7, a division of student media at the University of Alabama. Support us by leaving a review, rating, or following us on X at WVUAFM Sports. Welcome back into the Low Tide here on 90.7 The Capstone. Nicholas, Joe, Adam having fun talking all things Alabama athletics. Just a reminder, in case you didn't already know, you can also stream our show live on the Live 365 and TuneIn apps. Just had to let everybody know this shameless plug since I didn't do it in the first in the first half. Um, we're talking Alabama men's basketball. Uh, Joe has been there. Joe, it's been a little bit uh, since we had a yeah. show. So you want to get us caught up? Yeah, I will. Um, you know, I'll, I'll go back a couple weeks um, to when Alabama played in Baton Rouge, uh, Louisiana. Yeah, big, skip that other game that happened. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We'll start with this game. Uh, Alabama went down to Baton Rouge, um, played LSU on the road. Uh couple I guess two Saturdays ago now uh, another back-to-back early morning wake-ups in these games which is tough but you know Alabama got the job done it was uh it ended up being a pretty comfortable uh win it was 109-92 uh was the final but at halftime it was not looking great Alabama was up 49-46 um but they were getting absolutely torched uh on the inside by will baker uh, of lsu he had 22 points in the first half grant nelson kind of struggled uh to guard him inside um which has been a problem not just with grant nelson um but with alabama in general just kind of playing these uh real physical uh presences on the inside and baker was able to take advantage and then second half alabama scored 60 points um and and ended up running away with it uh uh, Baker only had two points in the second half, which was a, a pretty big reason as to how Alabama was able to extend out this lead. But um, 
But yeah, just a really solid game. Mark Sears had 23 points to lead the team. Latrell Wrightsell with 21. Um, when you have those two guys over 20, uh, good things happen. I mean, Alabama is undefeated with uh, after Latrell Wrightsell. Um, or in games where Wrightsell scores over 10 points, um, that's still continued in this one. So, Did you ever think you would say that a team gave up 92 points, but you had a comfortable win in yeah, college basketball? Exactly, <laughs> yeah. Um, that's just kind of Alabama this season, really. Defense, uh, as I've written, defense, defense is, is optional. Yeah, it's optional. It's questionable for sure. Um, but, yeah, I mean, this was – it was it – was, Tough in the beginning, you know, all things considered, with with Alabama playing um, LSU on the inside. But second half was just, um, you know, there were multiple, multiple like nine nine o runs by Alabama. There was a ten o run uh, late that pushed the lead to eighteen. Um, kind of highlighted by Wrightsell and, and Mark Sears knocking down a couple shots. So just uh, just a, a kind of really good like if you if you want to watch essentially what Alabama is this year the second half of this LSU game is a really good example of it because um, you're scoring 60 but you're letting up 46 and a half um, so like that's that's going to be the, the the big question mark on this team uh, down the stretch yeah a big thing for that one in, in that LSU game specifically um, you know you talked about how you know Mark Sears had 23 Latrell Wright so you know every time he scored you know like what was it was the exact point total like once it's over it's over 10 yeah so 10 once over. it gets into double digits you know Alabama's undefeated so he had 21 and 10 and then you know you have Ryan Griffin who's kind of stepped up late, uh, lately you know he had 16 Aaron Estrada with 15 but then the guy that you don't expect Nick Pringle, yeah. who had his uh, season high. I know, it was, I think it's his Alabama high. Um, I don't know if he scored more when he was at uh, junior college, but he ended up with 17 points, five rebounds, even an assist. So, um, yeah. you know, it, that was his first game back off of uh, suspension. So, like, with a game like that, you know, it really helps out. It's, yeah. it's really when, like, you know, uh, you know Mark Sears. Like, he's he's been consistent all year. It's really – who else steps up? So, like, when you have Latrell Wright, Sol, and Ryland Griffin, it's like, okay. And then um, <laughs> when Nick Pringle scores 17, that's something that the other team probably didn't account for was Nick Pringle having almost 20 points in a game. Yeah. Um, you know, hopefully. I, I know in that the, – the next game they had against Texas A&M, you know, they played a little bit better defense, but not by much. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I did – last kind of point on the, on the LSU game here, just – um, talked about kind of the switch inside from first second half. Just kind of a quick number to to kind of uh, put a bow on that point is the rebounds tied in the first half. Both teams had 18 total rebounds. Uh, in the second half, Alabama out rebounded LSU 25 to 13. Um, so just a huge effort. Latrell Wrightsell had actually he he did have a double double. Um, had 10 rebounds. Seven of them came in that second half. Um, and when a guy like him can go out and get you rebounds, that's a huge plus to this team. Um, you know so what's yeah. crazy to me? Like, crazy point? Okay, without thinking about it, and you might already know this, Joe, how many shots do you think Alabama took against LSU? Oh, gosh. <laughs> what if I told you they took 81 shots? Yeah, yeah. That like, was... truly just everything you got and here's the crazy part it's this it was the second time in the last three games that they had had 80 or more shots good which is just you know it's a lot it's a it's a big change from you know what 
Alabama had been used to basketball-wise before, you know, NATO's got there. And, you know, I was uh, – during that LSU game specifically, I was traveling um, up to Illinois with uh, Adapted, and, you know, we're talking and everything. And, you know, it's always the thing about Alabama shooting so many threes and – you know, obviously, you know, NATO style, he either wants it right at the basket or he wants a three pointer and stuff. And, you know, that's, that's his, um, you know, a part of, you know, him being a, a math teacher, like he knows that three points is more than two. So he, he doesn't want to take those, uh, shots mid range that are lower percentage. Um, I don't know if y'all have seen it. Did y'all ever watch the, um, the 30 for 30 with, uh, Loyola Marymount? Oh, uh, I can't remember. They the, made the final four. I don't think they made the final four, but it's I, I can't remember the name that it was called. But Loyola Marymount, like in the late '80s, early '90s, and stuff, and um, like his his literal offensive philosophy there was: the more shots you take, the more shots you make. And they were like the the, the highest scoring team in uh, in college basketball. So it's not to that level with Nate Oates' style. Yeah, that but, Mike, Mike D'Antoni uh, <laughs> offensive Basically. philosophy. Yeah. Yeah, you know, like uh, like uh, Dion Waiters once said, I'd rather go 0 for 30 than 0 for 9 because that means I stopped shooting. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, just I mean, put up infinite shots. Yeah, I, drop you know, pitch. let's you know, analytics just say if it keeps shooting, one of them is going to go in. Uh, but uh, but yeah, but uh, so I guess was that uh, was that all we had for for LSU? Yeah, I think it, it was nice I to mean, see that kind of performance on the road, but that was also it was yeah um, LSU specifically two games one in Coleman one on the road both times scored 109 points wish the defense would start playing better but I think at this point of the season we're kind of just to the point where we're like all right let's just let's just see how far the offense can take us yeah most most points scored in any two-game stretch against uh, LSU in the history of that series they also made 33 three-pointers over two games yeah yeah just um tough yeah, it's, it's all big. right. <laughs> it's good. It's good. Um, but yeah, but then I guess moving on here to uh, yesterday, uh, Alabama went on uh, at 11 a.m. again, played Texas A&M. Some students were outside the door at about two o'clock in the morning. Yeah, some were. Some were. Uh, the debut of the new jerseys. Um, I guess we'll start off. I mean, obviously, me, me and Adam were there. We saw them. Adam got one. Son of a gun. Um, <laughs> Sorry. But, no, I mean, it's congrats. You can congrats. go buy some online uh, yeah. for a hundred something bucks yeah. and actually have the player name on it. No yeah, free no, ads. Good luck. Uh, but anyway, I will ask, did you guys, did you guys like them? What, what are you the know, thoughts here? Uh, okay, here's the thing. I feel like these are very safe. Okay. It feels like this is a very safe jersey, which, okay, granted, I understand, you know, you don't want to do anything too out there, you know. One day when the Alabama football jersey change comes, eventually, like the only you know, Adam the, might be ready to fight me. He the was only about ready to change, throw hands when I said that. The only change to the football jersey I will accept is white football helmets to go back <laughs> to like the '60s and early '70s. I'm just saying, right? Okay, so it feels like this is a very safe choice you know it's not it's not anything too out there personally i was hoping for some like some plaid i think that could have been that could have been pretty wild um or you know at least take a little bit more of a risk i do like the jerseys the shorts are awesome that uh, vintage yeah. logo which nate Oates loves and apparently kaylin DeBoer also very much likes so hopefully it better be on midfield <laughs> 
hopefully we honestly that logo is sick uh, petition to go back to that but um i like the jerseys they feel safe but you know I, solid uh personally would have liked to seen something a little crazier but you know yeah i also think it was interesting that they're like retro jerseys but like alabama's never like there's no history of this jersey <laughs> being in alabama's basketball history um like with the crimson tide on it like it's just weird they've all just, Look, just said cool. alabama okay. it's very cool so the, just the wrong. logo on the shorts makes it retro well, it's, it's, uh, yeah it's, and it's like the logo on the shorts it's the it's style the, yeah the uh the, the font for the lettering goes back yeah. a little bit more how it was you know in days past but you know i liked them um like i, I like nick and I, I like the shorts you know the best yeah um i wasn't a huge fan of the crimson tide being above and below the number but you know it's it's so they it's big they, you got to have a you got to have some space but um but yeah i i probably would not go buy the jersey even with the the player's name on it so i was glad i was able to get one of the free ones that just has crimson tide on the front and alabama on the back but it'd be nice if they had thrown in some shorts with it <laughs> get yeah. the whole fit get the whole jersey set yeah um but anyway, it would have been I, funny if, like, if for like in keeping with the retro theme, either go super short shorts or like the really long baggy like the shorts. Thousands. If, oh uh, yeah. Y'all saw Sam Walters at that oh, game. I think was. I think he ordered them <laughs> like the smallest he could get. Yeah, he was. Yeah, there's a lot out there. Um, but anyway, on the basketball, uh, on the basketball, the, the actual game itself, Alabama. Uh, Put in a really good performance, uh, or I should say, a good performance against Texas A&M. They won 100 to 75 by a quarter, uh, as I say, uh, won by a quarter, 25 points. They shot over 50% from the field, uh, 40, essentially 44% from three. Um, Mark Sears, 23 points. Ty Collins Sexton from most 20-point uh, games in a single season, Alabama history, uh, with 16. It was also his eighth straight 20-point game for Sears. Um, so just, I mean, and it, that also kind of shows the development, I guess, of Alabama basketball since 2016-17, um, or 17-18, I should say, when Sexton did it, because uh, Mark Sears scored 20, Latrell Wrightsell back with 16, uh, Griffin with 17, and Estrada with 11. So four of your five starters hit double digits. Grant Nelson had nine um, on four or five shooting. So a really good put out from the lineup or from, from that lineup especially considering A&M out rebounded Alabama um pretty heavily it was 49 to uh 38 total rebounds uh A&M also got 26 offensive rebounds they're the number one offensive rebounding team in the country so that was kind of expected um and Nate Oates said after the game that he wasn't necessarily so worried with them getting all these offensive rebounds it was just can they score from those second chances and A&M uh really couldn't I mean um I, uh, uh, Anderson Garcia. So I was blanking on his first name. Anderson Garcia for A and M got 12 rebounds, only at three points. Uh, didn't make a field goal. So that was kind of what Alabama's mo was. Was you know we'll let you get the boards. We won't let you score from them. Uh, you know, and, and that worked to perfection, especially when you're shooting over 50. percent So and I can't remember the exact point of the first half that this was, but I think Texas A and M had you know, a double-digit lead in uh, rebounds. Uh, it was pretty early, you know, probably before the 12-minute the timeout. Um, but they weren't able to, you know, 
get that big lead that they needed to withstand an Alabama onslaught on offense. And also, you know, something that kind of just kind of represented the game. There was one possession where Texas A&M, I think they got three straight offensive rebounds on one possession but didn't score on any yeah. of the shots. Um, so just like that. Um, and Alabama was able to overcome Doug Shows. Um, yeah. you know, probably the best game they've had with him uh, officiating, him and his crew. Um, yeah. And I, I will tell you, I was nervous going into the game because, you know, Texas A&M, they had just beaten Tennessee. But then they had lost to Vanderbilt on a buzzer beater. And I'm like, of course they have to lose right before playing Alabama to refocus. Because <laughs> that's what it seems like everybody does. They, they lose right before a refocus and then give us, you know, a fight for our lives. And, you know, the first half, you know, it was kind of, I think at halftime, a 13-point lead. Uh, but it kind of felt closer. Um, yeah, 14. And then, you know, as the second half came on, you know, there was never really – you never really got worried in that second half. Just – Alabama, like Nick was saying, just keep shooting. You know, this game they had 18 three-pointers made in this one, 18 of 41. So, you know, and Latrell Wright. So, I think, was he the one that hit the three to get to 100 points? That was uh, Davin Cosby. Oh, okay. But, yeah, Latrell Wright so did hit, I believe, back-to-back threes to get it up to 97. Yeah, he had had then, four of eight on three-pointers. And then Davin Cosby, you know, he had one, and I guess that was the one. To put it at 100, which I loved. I needed that 100-point mark there. Yeah. There's only been, what, what was it, one team that's uh, had more 100-point uh, games in a season in SEC history, and that was Kentucky. Yeah. Yeah. It was um, – it's also, I believe, under Nate Oates, it's Alabama's 10th SEC yeah. or conference game where they've scored 100 points, and the rest of the league has, I believe, 10 combined. Yeah. So, yeah, a lot of offensive firepower. Alabama also. Wait, so Nate Oates has only had 10 conference games where they scored above 100 points. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, and that's kind of. So, for, for context, this is their eighth 100-point game this year. Yeah. Um, and that's the most in college basketball in 30 years, um, yeah. which, you know, now, the 95-96 Kentucky national title team i'm gonna have to go back and do some research eight 100 point games in 95 that's pretty insane but yeah and another thing for this one that i do want to point out um we we kind of mentioned how uh sam walters had had the extra short shorts um look at trying to be a little bit like larry bird i guess you know he 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 was was kind of that he was shooting like him (laughs) he was kind of that guy uh kind of like nick pringle in the last game that kind of he was that next guy that stepped up and you know didn't shoot like a lot but he was four of six two of four from three had 11 points but eight rebounds almost mm-hmm. with a double double and I, I can't remember who it was but it might it might have been Latrell Wright so he was uh, asked a question in the post game and the first thing he brought up was like did you see Sam had eight rebounds so you know immediately going to hey yeah. this guy was a big help in this game yeah and um he was a lot more physical out there in this one I you know had a or and one kind of tough layup early. Um, the other thing, too, I wanted to say about this game, uh, which doesn't get talked about enough. Um, so over the past two seasons, Alabama is 27-1 and one at home, which is the best record for SEC teams yeah. uh, at home over the last two seasons. And um, Just that one game against Clemson. It was Clemson, of all the teams, too, right? Um, but, yeah, I, like it, Alabama is just totally, totally different um, – playing at home versus just on the road uh 
you know, consistently at least. So, I mean, just a, you know, a solid performance from them. I mean, they were supposed to beat A&M and they did. Um, Now beating them by 25 is very impressive, especially an A&M team that has given Alabama and and uh, specifically Alabama under Nate Oates fits. I believe he he was one in three against A&M entering uh, yesterday with that lone win being the 2022 SEC championship um, win or 20... 23, I guess, SEC yeah. championship win um, over the Aggies. So, yeah, just a very – but a very, you know, solid game. This was also a game where if you looked at the shot chart for the game, Alabama's – all of their shots were either inside the paint and near that kind of restricted area arc or behind the three-point arc. Uh, so this was ball and notes to a tee uh, in this one. So – which is how you win games even if you're out-rebounded. So I was curious about how many games they'd have to get to, to like what the record was for most games in a season uh, of at least 100 points. It is Loyola Marymount, 1990. How many games do you think they scored over 100 points in? I'll say at well, least 100 points. Does it's like how many total games? Well, see, I, like, I, I know that they so. Go like your your regular season is going to be about 30. 30, yeah. A um, little bit more. Then you're going to have your conference tournament. You're going to have NCAA tournament. I know that they at least made the Sweet 16, I believe, that year. Yeah. Um, but I know that they led um, the nation in scoring. <sighs> I'll, I'll go. Go ahead. I'll say 15. Uh, I was going to say 15. Uh, I'll go. I'll go, to, I don't know, 20. Yeah, try 28. Oh, God. They averaged 122.4 points uh, per game that season. We should, I guess is, we maybe discounted the fact that they were just maybe that much better than their conference. Now, <laughs> do. I, I do, I do want to – let me pull this up, unless you already have it. Y'all can keep talking, but I, gotta, I remember very specifically – um, from their NCAA tournament run, uh, something I want to pull pull up. Um, but you know, Alabama still had 17 turnovers in, they the, did. in this game. So we, you, need, you need to clean up those turnovers. You need to clean up defense. Um, you know, still. Well, actually, I, they had 12 against A and M. It was 12 turnovers. Uh, well, that's what I'm seeing here, at least. 12 on, against. Well, this is. Maybe the box score is wrong. The one that I'm looking at um, had 17. I'm just on the stat broadcast thing. Yeah. Okay. Well, one of them's wrong. Who knows what it is? But anyway. Either. I mean, like 12 is a whole lot better. Yeah. Um, But, yeah. And to be honest, I I mean, Alabama, you know, if you're going to – if you're not going to play, like, incredible defense – or not incredible, but just good defense consistently, you got to force turnovers and you can't turn the ball over. Like, you don't want to give more defensive opportunities. So, so I, I finally got it. Um, and this, so first, I'll, I'll go through a couple of the games during the season to kind of give you all a sense because you, you brought up 28 games. So, it's like uh, first win of the season win 145 to 102. That's insane. Um, <laughs> Who did they play? That was against uh, Nevada. They had lost. That was a Division One team. They, they had lost. <laughs> they had lost Week One to Number One UNLV, one hundred two to ninety one. Um, so then here's a game against St. Mary's. Y'all might know them. Uh, win one hundred and fifty to one nineteen 
a game at LSU lost in overtime, 148 to 141. Okay. So, uh, so Alabama fans, don't fret. This team got how far? The Sweet 16? Beat, beat, you Sam, can do it. Beat San Francisco 157 to 115 the next game. Um, and anyway. 157 points is insane. Uh, no overtime, right? Not in that one. Um, and then, how so many shots do you have to in take? In the to West hit that? Coast Conference tournament, played Gonzaga, won 121 to 84. So then they get to the NCAA tournament, and I believe this was the year. If y'all watch the documentary, you know one of their players like, does pass away, yeah. like he dies, like on the court. Um, but anyway, they go to the NCAA tournament, and they're trying to win it for him, right? So game one against New Mexico State, they win 111 to 92. Game two against Michigan, they win 149 to 115. They go to the Sweet 16, they play Alabama. Lowest scoring game of the season. They won 62 to 60. Hang the banner. <laughs> and then the, the next week, they play UNLV, who would beat them week one. They lose 131 to 101 in the. Could you. Okay. Lead eight. And aside, okay, could so you imagine how good it felt? After they had just come off a hundred and what was it forty nine yeah. point game to hold them to sixty two points, yeah, Alabama, I mean, yeah. that, if, Alabama's if, probably like we should advance. If I there was think. ever a banner to hang, like moral victory banner, I mean, that's it right there. You have your team, the, the opposition <laughs> points more than that actually. Okay, so back uh, on to Alabama and team. this season. Play defense. As, fu- as fun as this is. Yeah. Um, Let's talk about the NCAA tournament uh, that's upcoming. The uh, committee has them projected as a three seed in the South. Yep. Do we feel like that's fair for Alabama? What uh, do we do? We like the outlook that we see with uh, that being where they're at. Um. Yeah. I mean, it, it seems interesting. Uh, it's an interesting thing right now because there are still three weeks, and Alabama does still have. Um, a couple of really, really key games that can either boost uh, their seed or drop it. Um, you know, I'm thinking of Kentucky on the road coming up in a couple. I mean, even Florida is a quad one opportunity uh, on Wednesday here in Tuscaloosa. But you know, it, it's going to be interesting to see. But yeah, I, I think that's about where I would expect him to be. I think uh, Joe Lenardi at ESPN has them as a. Um, as the ninth team so i think they're the top three seed like the top of the three seeds um right now i think he has them playing moorhead state in the first round so that's where i'd right about put them um but they do i mean if they like there's a very real chance that this alabama team like if they can kind of turn it around can get to a two and and probably not a one seed because you already got seven losses but well, I mean it really just depends because like if, if they were to win out like win the SEC tournament and like obviously oh, we're in the regular season out. and then the SEC tournournament like winning out you maybe get that one seed but uh, I mean you got an opportunity sorry to, to cut yeah, you off Adam. I was just gonna say you got an opportunity at Kentucky uh a, a week from yesterday um that game that could boost you up essentially a seed if you win uh tennessee comes to town uh march 2nd that's gonna realistically decide the sec yeah. uh, at least it's looking like it so 
and the uh, the the Florida game this Wednesday just got moved up to a quad one mm-hmm. game. Yeah, uh, so that'll that'll help out. Now, really, as long as you stay in that two to three seed, I like it right now. I'd probably say that is pretty accurate to have them as a three seed. I would like them to play into a two, but as long as you're in the two to three, you know you're not going to have to play that one seed until a potential elite eight. Um, mm-hmm. So we'll see if the team can actually put it together on defense and yeah. you know make that run in the NCAA tournament. But like right now, like you were saying. Lenardi does have Alabama as the first um, three seed, so the number nine overall seed. Um, and the NCAA tournament, like selection committee, had they had announced that they were the three seed there. So Lenardi's at least close in his in his prediction. And so the the bracket that we would be in, according to Lenardi, um, Arizona would have the one. Uh, Alabama's already played Arizona before. Um, if it worked out, you know, wouldn't have to play them again until that Elite Eight. And, you know, it's a lot – I think it'll be a lot better to have a team that you've already played before and you already kind of know kind of what they're about. And, you know, and Nate Oates can show them, like, hey, you already lost to them once. Like, don't let it happen again. Uh, the other teams that you, you got in there is Kansas um, as the yeah. two seed in there. And then – Arch nemesis San Diego State oh. as the four seed. Um, yeah. So well, starting off rematch Moorhead State. Talk about rat poison. You dropped a hundred and I think nine on them opening night. You know, the Eagles are coming back for. They will come back for vengeance. One hundred and five, I should say, one by thirty-two. Um, and the, and I will say too that like this Alabama team. I mean, we're we're talking tournament long term, kind of what maybe the the heights are. Like, this is a pretty wide-open year. Um, I mean, UConn's looked really good, but it's hard to repeat as national champs. Um, Purdue just lost today to Ohio State. Um, yeah, who loses to Ohio State? Guy? That's such a terrible, <laughs> brutal loss. Uh, you know, um, you know, Houston's the other one seed uh, outside of Arizona, like you mentioned, Adam. So, um, you know, I, I think it, it could be a time for Alabama if they can – get hot and play defense they could go pretty far i think here's the craziest part okay if i would have told you if you're an ohio state basketball fan for the season and yeah. i told you you're going to beat alabama you're going to beat purdue do you think that your head coach would have also got fired in the very same season in between those two wins yeah you know, probably not. Um, and you would have lost nine of, the, of 11 at one four point. Four days too. after you yeah. fire your head coach, you beat the and, number two. And team. I know it's not. I wonder who the problem was. Tough luck. I, I know it's not like the same exact thing, but, you know, it just reminds and it, it, I know it's different because it was in the NBA and the team actually had a winning record. But it could, like, half of the firing of the Ohio State coach, it was like, okay, they're, they're not performing well. And then you fire them and then, you know, you beat the number one team or at least you know a number one team um number one it was they were they're still a number one seed they would have been the number one overall at the time uh but they beat them but like when uh the milwaukee bucks you know they're like pretty much doubled up their their like their 30 something and 15 fire their coach hire doc rivers and then go like one and six it's like <laughs> the exact opposite situation yeah, somehow you got you <laughs> you got worse Purdue. and then yeah. i don't know if y'all saw but they uh, they had asked him in a press conference and you know, he was like well we had a back-to-back you know in utah and dallas and the altitude and our players retired i'm just like okay you just need to to calm down over here but they they hired doc rivers and uh seems to have gotten worse you know they've they've 
been okay the last couple of games, but then Ohio State's you know, like they're going to fire their coach, and now all of a sudden we got the best team in college basketball. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, no, I, 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 I will say this. I know we might want to talk some other stuff, but um, I do, I, I do worry a little bit with this Alabama team just on some of these bigger road games um, or just bigger games on the stretch in general because if they do lose them or if they lose a couple of them at least I like they're sitting at like I believe it's um, two and six right now in quad one games um, over the course of the season and now they are like uh, I'm gonna have to pull up this number um, because it's something like they're Two and six in quad one wins, but seven and two in quad two games or something like that. And um, next five straight, I think, are quad ones. So yeah, it could improve. You and and I'm sure it will. At, I mean, you know, you, Florida is a good like that's a winnable quad one game, even though Florida is very tough and very physical. But you just don't want to run into a situation. The maybe the couple of years ago, the team that you know with. Um, I guess the high, highlight guy was J.D. Davidson coming in and Shackelford, and that team kind of ended the season poorly, and you had to play a Notre Dame team that was kind of running a little warm coming into the tournament and got knocked out, and I, you just fear that if Alabama f- slips up a little bit down the stretch, you're running into, I mean, right now, Lenardi, uh, an 11-seed Gonzaga. You know, that's a really good team Ooh. that you're going to have to play um, as in a you know, 6-11 game. Uh, you know, you could p- potentially go into them. Look, just looking around, you know, kind of the lower, lower seeds that Alabama might have some, some, some problems with. It's just you, you don't want to be in that position. So, yeah. you need to take care of some of these games that you can improve your stock. You just got to take care of business. And the other thing is that, you know stretches like that can be scary for such an offensive heavy team like Alabama right you know you've had all these 100 point games this season you know you've leaned heavily on your offense to um, make up for some rather poor defense and lack of size down low if all of a sudden you have a couple games where you get cold I mean these are the kind of problems uh, that you can run into. It's mm-hmm. very, you know, you're not as consistent as maybe a really strong defensive team would be. Um, and that's that's something scary for the tournament. Um, yeah. But, you know, I, I feel like the other thing that you have going for you if you're Alabama, you have a very veteran team uh, led by, you know, Mark Sears, who probably has the biggest chip on his shoulder of anybody in college basketball. The dude is not named for any award. He's like and straight he's disrespected by everybody. Leading, um, yeah. So it, it's going to be very interesting to see. Alabama obviously got to take care of business, but I think they're in a good spot right now. Um, we'll just have to continue yeah, to watch and, listen, and see. Listen, here's the thing, too, is that like – I. I the expectations are have been raised since Nando's took over, but this is still. I mean, like Alabama's going to go to March Madness. It's potentially booked right now. Like this is the 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 program is still very much doing really well, and this was considered going to this was going into the season going to be tough anyway. I mean, you lost Brandon Miller, you lost two NBA draft picks, all of your assistant coaches yep. are were you know got hired elsewhere, and you're still in this position, top 10 and 2 in the SEC. We were talking about on this show about how Mm -hmm. much lower the expectations were going to be, and look at where you're at. Great season in progress. Right now, you know, you get a 
at least a one game is it a two game lead now for the it's, SEC um, I know th- they have sole possession of the lead right now so yeah. they, they have a very good chance um, especially if you beat Tennessee at home mm-hmm. in that next matchup you know very good chance to win the SEC regular season um, SEC tournament you know we'll see what happens there but you know we talk about how you know Nick Saban showed his best coaching performance when with the season like how poorly the the team had played early against Texas um, offensive line wasn't really doing that well you know you had basically changed your whole offense and then still be getting them to a playoff and now you have Nate Oates who Joe you just said you know lost those two guys to the first round NBA draft obviously one guy number two overall pick yeah uh, people transferring out um you know, some people that shouldn't have went to the NBA declaring for the draft. And, some people, and yeah. <laughs> unnamed. And then the coaching staff. And I think that was the biggest one for me, losing all three of your assistants to be head coaches somewhere else. Yeah. And now you have them right there ready to win the SEC. Yeah. Is this Nate Oates' best coaching job? Oh, we'll see. No, no, okay, all right. Let's not let's not call that yet. Well, let's see yeah. what happens. But yeah. potentially, potentially. Yeah. Um, so we're going to take one more break. Uh, when we come back, we're going to touch uh, quickly on uh, baseball and softball, both of which got started up uh, since our last time on the air. So uh, we'll be right back here on ninety point seven. WVUAFM, Tuscaloosa. Welcome back in, ladies and gentlemen, to the low tide here on 90.7 The Capstone. Nicholas, Joe, Adam, closing things out with you here. Um, We got to talk Alabama baseball. They're back. Adam, you were there. team's gotten off to a great start couldn't ask for a better start yeah first weekend you know three three games against manhattan obviously very good to get a sweep especially first year head coach a lot of new faces uh first two games um you know they won the first one i believe five nothing second one 15 nothing very good performance uh pitching wise uh, in both games uh the third game the final ended up being 11 to 8 and you know there was you know, I don't don't want to make excuses, but you know, when you you, you won your first two games, kind of you know handedly, you know, you're not really worried about too much. You know, that, that third game might be a little hard to get up on a on a Sunday afternoon, um, but obviously, also Manhattan, you know, they wanted to get their first win of the season, so you know, still good to come out with that. They did finally get so that second game, and this was what we were talking about at the game. Like they scored 15 runs in that second game, no home runs. You know, yeah. it, it's all just, you know, real solid, you know, small ball for the most part. And that's something you're going to need to make a run. Um, right now, uh, coming to the season, preseason ranked 19th. I know some people have them as like a dark horse to maybe make it to Omaha. Um, you know, I, I'll have to see how they play once again SEC play. Like right now, you, you can't make too many judgments off of playing, you know, Manhattan for three games. And then on uh, Tuesday – uh, they have Middle Tennessee State. Like you need to start seeing. Them. They have uh, in a couple weeks. You know they have a game where they'll play like Arizona, um, Dallas Baptist, who's 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 a ranked team. So I need to see him play some better competition. But uh, the pitching staff looks pretty good. Alton Davis finally got some work in today. He pitched the last two innings. You know shut down um, pretty much.
pretty much everybody faced. Um, the bats, you know, still getting used to all the new guys, but you know, it's it's good to see the bats, you know, coming alive. And then, uh, you know, we we covered it a couple weeks ago about how the stuff had finally coming out about the previous Alabama coach, like what was all going on um, with that whole thing with gambling and stuff. So, who's to say, you know, if it's that big of a difference? But the team does look better coached, and I. It could be because you don't have somebody betting against them while they're out there. Um, who's to say? I don't know. But um, team looks good. Might be a logical leap. You know, they look good. You know, at pretty much everything. You know, the the, the bullpen today kind of let the team down a little bit. But you know, a lot of those guys are getting their first work of the season. Like they'll they'll get better throughout the season. So I'm I'm not really worried. Um, starters look good. Offense looks good. You know, people still making plays out on defense. Like, it's going to be a fun season. It's going to be a long season. There's still 52 more games to go before they get uh, to postseason play. But who's counting? Um, yeah, me. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm trying to go to as many games as I can. None of the people um, out in right field are counting. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. true. Um, but, yeah, it'll be, it'll be fun. It'll be fun. I think uh, – I'm not ready to make, like, official – predictions for the season you know like i said i want to see him play some better teams but you need a uh, little more uh, yeah evidence a little more sample size you know but yeah did you guys um, know lebron plays for alabama now yeah no it was that was so weird hearing a lebron with a double <laughs> what is going on here but yeah it's uh it's good you know um i feel like me and uh evan slight out in right field we're friends now you know we've we've talked a couple times I've said words to him he's nodded uh so best friends already did he nod or was he just like playing baseball <laughs> no, he 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 talks to, he okay. talks to people in right field. Okay. He, he he's a good guy. Um, kind of okay. missed some of those guys from last year, like Andrew Pinkney and everything. But Pink, yeah. um, this team, they brought in a really good recruiting class. They brought in a top ten transfer portal class, and undefeated so far. So yeah. it's gonna be fun. To, to be honest. I mean, Adam, you said you're waiting for kind of when they play some of these bigger teams and, and bigger moments. I'm honestly with with how kind of Alabama has struggled in these midweek games against weaker opposition. I'm just interested to see what they do Tuesday, Wednesday of, of this week against Middle Tennessee State and Alabama State because those are games that Alabama dropped in years past. I mean, I you know, it wasn't all that long ago, I believe, they in one season lost to North Alabama, UAB, uh, Alabama State, some other teams like in these midweek Tuesday night games that you really can't be losing if you're also going to have to go on the road and play, you know, LSU on the weekend or play Florida or whoever. Um, but, yeah, really good start. I mean, it was nice to see uh, Rob Vaughn and, like, his, his family, I guess, throughout the first pitch. Um, mm-hmm. Not, I guess, I – I knew um, his family throughout the first pitch, so that was cool to see. And uh, he's three and zero; he's undefeated. So couldn't ask for better. Yeah, I will say too. We talked about this a little pre-show. Manhattan's jerseys. I mean, first, like I was not expecting him to right, come on, out I, in I three different jerseys for the three different games. Uh, two of them uh, two, pinstripe oriented. Uh. Yeah, two of them pinstripe. I liked the the black ones or the gray ones um, yeah. that they wore. I can't remember now whether it was Friday or Saturday. Um, Friday was the the gray pinstripes. The, gray, okay. the straight black, I think, was Saturday, and then uh, today was the uh, the super bright green pinstripe yeah. ones. Yeah, the um, ones today, I w- it was a little questionable. At least on I was watching through you know TV screen, so um, looked a little suspect. But I, I mean, cool. You know what? Go for it. Uh, 
if you're gonna if you're gonna come to Alabama and play SEC baseball teams, then why not wear your your full arsenal? Yeah, just bring all the uniforms on the road. Yeah, yeah. It's also weird that they're in the Bronx. Like you're in your Manhattan College. Yeah. Um, weird. Interesting. Yeah. Um, is that a, oh, is that a thing with New York? Just like not naming your your teams. I mean, where it's, they are I feel like every New York team should just be called New York. Because that's like, that's what they but like. Seem even to. the teams that are called New York aren't in New. They're in New Jersey. Well, that's true too. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's very true. That's a we'll, we'll we'll discuss that later. Yeah, later. But I will I will say the baseball point real quick. Just um, you know, I think today might not have been maybe the best day. Like you said, I'm mean, you already won the first two. Maybe you showed up a little slow to slow to work a little bit, but. Um, it could also be. I mean, you don't know maybe who your best rotation is, who your best pitchers are yet this season, who's going to be yeah. hot, who isn't. So, yeah, like, um, so they started I'll give them time. Friday with Ben Hess, you know, yeah, great performance. Uh, Saturday, Riley yeah. Quick, you know, he's a, I believe he's a sophomore. Um, you know, he was he was relief last year, and all of a sudden this year mm-hmm. he's projected to be a weekend rotation guy. And, you know, he was staying around, uh, like he was in like. 97 98 miles per hour starting off over the course of the game he kind of lost a little bit i don't know if that was part of um like it just being cold or if that was he's not used to pitching for that long since he was in he was a he was a bullpen guy last year um but also um you know once it gets a little bit warmer uh should be possibly getting that that fastball up a little bit more you know it's a lot easier to throw in warmer weather um and then today aiden mazza you know he started off good he had one inning early where he gave up three, but then the next inning he came right back and, you know, just shut him down. So um, I think with a little bit more experience, you know, all these guys are going to start really – and, you know, yeah. to, like this is almost an entire new team. There, There's not a lot of people that came back. Um, some people going uh, professional, some people transferring out, like Colby Shelton, you know, transferred to Florida. Um, there are a couple of guys that are still here, like Will Hodo, uh, Will uh, – Portier, oh yeah. Um, um, anyway, probably messing up his last name, right? But anyway, you had a couple guys that came back, but Portera, and I yeah, and then um, Porte- Will Portera, and then uh, Portera, you have yeah. other guys in the the pitching staff that's still here. But like when I'm when we're getting the the starting announcements, I'm like, who are these people? Like these these are not guys that were here. A bunch of transfers, obviously, you know, top ten uh, transfer portal class. Um, so. Obviously, they've had practice. They had the, the the fall scrimmages and stuff, but this is the first time they're getting actual season games with each other. Still, kind of learning how to play off each other. So, I think you know, for me, I'm saying that I need to see them against some teams. I think they need to see themselves against some some better competition too to kind of see what they're going to do. Very yeah. true. We also had softball getting started up um, last week uh, on the eighth uh, in Atlanta, Georgia. They go four and zero at the Buzz Classic. Uh, five and oh, sorry. One, two, three, one, two, three, four. Yeah, five and oh. Yeah. Um, took me a second. Um, and then they uh, first games at home uh, this past uh, or this week um, played St. Thomas in Virginia and Southern Indiana, and they won all of those games. Um, it's odd how they play five games amongst three three teams. Yeah, it's a little strange. That's what threw me off the most. I was like, yeah. What? Yeah, basically um, the same thing they did last week. Did did y'all watch any of this stuff last week? Did y'all see what in happened Atlanta, last week in with Atlanta the, with the triple play? Dude, whatever <laughs> so that I was, was watching yeah. it on the bus ride home. Um, so they're playing Georgia Tech. 
They're up five nothing. Um, so Caleb Beaver, who we we had talked about, you know, was named to that top um, watch list, that top fifty player watch list for Player of the Year. Um, had the no hitter in the f- opening game of the season. Had one into the sixth against Georgia Tech in the the last game last week after they'd already started off four zero. Um, basically, they're up five nothing, getting to the seventh inning. Uh, that's the first time she starts having like real struggles with the team. Like, I think a couple of walks, um, singles, and stuff. And then they get bases loaded. It's 5 nothing. It looks like it's out. Robs the home run. Throws it back to second for the double play. Looks like it goes to third for the triple play. They cut the broadcast off. I think the game's over. I see later that they reviewed the play, said, oh, it's just a double play. They tagged up at third, and then they had to finish the broadcast like on the radio like only because they had already cut off the television broadcast. Just really strange. Ended up winning that one 5-1. to one. And then um, this week, another – Five and zero um, weekend, so that was, that was really good. Couldn't ask for a better start. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Ten and zero. I mean, you know, again, kind of. I guess Georgia Tech maybe was was a seemed like a good test for them, but you know, let's. I'm waiting to see a little more uh, against some some quality teams here before I'm going to jump on the on the national title train. So yeah. Uh, so does anybody else have any? Any other topics we got to touch on? Anything, any shout-outs here at the very end? Oh, man, I don't know. That's a – Gymnastics is back in Coleman. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I was going to say gymnastics. I was going to say we could talk a little. We had Bama representation at the NBA uh, All-Star Weekend, Brandon Miller and the Rising Stars. Mm -hmm. Who's that? (laughs) 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 He he played here for a little bit. I don't know if you remember. I think he was 24. Everybody keeps showing that clip of the uh, the Hornets mascot when he got drafted, where it yeah, just looks yeah, so disappointed. So and I'm yeah. like, like I'm look, I really like how he's played this year. Obviously, he just got uh, Rookie of the Month, I believe. Um, you know, obviously he got named to the the little rising stars and everything. Um, is there anybody that can get him out of Charlotte? Oh yeah, dude, he's got to get a bus, a okay, train, like, a plane, just anywhere. One, just get out of there. They they didn't appreciate him when he was taken. I'm sure some people did, but you know, when you have your mascot, like there's when there's a little clip of the guy that is like representing your organization, just like oh, we're so disappointed. So you know, I would like to see him go to a better team. Don't know if that's going to happen. Yeah. They'll probably try to keep him now, um, especially. I mean, you spent your number two overall pick, yeah, and now he's playing like a top pick anyway um so probably gonna try to keep him but i might get him you know get him and bryce package deal out of charlotte you know just go somewhere else man. yeah yeah i don't really get that um, i guess though the, in theory the reason you were terrible for this song and this is functional was to get brandon miller at number two and you know lamello ball and hope it works out now True. so yeah i will say too maybe we should shout out anytime auburn Alabama beats Auburn. I feel like it's worth talking about. Women's basketball did that today. Yeah, the two, the two guys that covered women's basketball. And yeah, yeah, big comeback. Yeah, uh, Sarah Ashley Barker hit a thousand, thousand point club. career points. Is yep. that good? Yeah, that's good. yeah, that's pretty pretty good. And I believe they have at South Carolina next. So no, mm. I don't. So I actually so after the game today, um, you know, I was planning on doing it this anyway, but the baseball game ends. Wish it would have ended a little bit sooner. Um, if they didn't allow, you know, eight runs, it would have been. Um, but so the game ends. There's like two minutes left in the women's basketball game. So I run over to catch the end of it. And so 
Uh, I walked in that Alabama already had like a three, four point lead. Hit a couple free throws at the end uh, to seal the game, and then um, you know Christy Curry gets on the microphone and she's saying, you know, thank you for coming out. She hands it to Sarah Ashley Barker, and she's basically saying the same thing. But then she says, "Tune in to that South Carolina game because they're going to take down the number one team." And I'm like, I like the confidence, um, but you're also going on the road. Yeah, and everything. on the road uh, is tough. Hopefully, South Carolina does not get that clip. Yeah, no, no bullets I and mean, board. Material. Last year they they were competitive they, with South Carolina. Yeah, it, they very winnable game. They, they yeah. played better against South Carolina than they did against LSU because LSU, yeah. um, LSU last year they just came in dominating. I know. I know this year in both games uh, they've had halftime leads and then just haven't been able to hold on to it. Yeah. Uh, that South Carolina game, you know, you thought Alabama really had a chance going into uh, you know midway through the second half and. Yeah. You know, uh, hopefully, you know, I'll be rooting for him, obviously. Um, but that's a very also the, tall task. The Jemaya Mingo Young revenge game oh, coming back to Tuscaloosa. Uh, yeah, she yeah she scored her 14 points, 6 of 13 shooting. So she came in and did her thing. But How yeah. much eligibility does she have left? Like, is she, uh, like I, th- I think I mentioned this on the show before. T- I don't know eligibility anymore. So <laughs> I stopped thinking about well, it. I mean, people can play college athletics. And if they for just like show up, years. if they show up at a game, I'm like, oh, yeah, I guess they're playing. But like also, I guess it, he's eligible. In, in most instances, when we're talking about, and it might be different now because of all the realignment, but, you know, we've talked about people to transfer, and it's usually like, they'll be at Alabama and then they'll go to like a different conference or like a, a, a different level of competition. Um, but like Jemaya Mingo Young started off at Mississippi State, transfers to Alabama, transfers to Auburn. I'm like, how many SEC teams are you going to hit? Yeah, next season she's transferring to Arkansas and then Texas and then her career will be done. <laughs> Journeyman. Um, so I think that's going to do it uh, for us on the Low Tide here on 90.7. Thank you for tuning in. Uh, we'll be back same time next week uh, on Sunday. So thank you. Uh, have a good night.